Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder... How much love is too much? On August 4th, 2010, a woman committed a horrible crime under the guise of loving her children too much. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Teresa Rigi seemed to have a normal life. She graduated from West High School in 1982 married a petroleum engineer, Pasquale Regis, seven years later in a Catholic service that took place in Bakersfield, California, and was loved by her mother, two sisters, and two brothers, who I'm sure missed her terribly when she moved from Colorado to England in 1997. But when Teresa's life became front-page news in 2010, reporters trying to get the scoop on her life realized that this woman, this average-seeming woman, left very little in the way of a lasting impression in her wake. Throughout the extensive news coverage, reporters found it difficult to find anyone who knew Teresa growing up, in school, or during her time living in Scotland, England, and the Netherlands. And on the occasions that they did find someone who knew her well, like her in-laws, they refused to speak about the woman they once welcomed into their family. So what did Teresa do that was so horrible that the few that remember her refused to bring up her name. While living in Scotland, the couple welcomed twin little boys, Austin and Gianluca, 
after an extensive IVF process. But it was after the birth of their third child, a girl named Cecilia, who was the result of a past frozen embryo, that everything seemed to come crashing down around the happy couple. According to some, the birth of Cecilia brought with it a sense of possessiveness when it came to the twins. Teresa refused all help and would not allow anyone to visit, co-slept with the children, and made Pasquale move into a separate room. With the physical part of their marriage completely ending and unknown issues becoming much more present, Pasquale moved to Aberdeen and filed for a divorce, but also wanted to make sure in the process that he was still an active part of his children's life. Teresa, on the other hand, remarked that she wanted to, quote, leave the country for good. Much like Teresa's life as a whole, very little is known about the issues brought forth during their divorce proceedings. We do know it lasted for over a year, during which time Teresa began homeschooling the children, something Pasquale took great issue with. By 2009, Teresa was halting any visitations between Pasquale and his children. And on the few occasions that she did let the children out of her sight, she made the boys wear electronic monitoring devices so she could watch their every movements, the entirety of their visits. She also gave them cell phones so they could be in constant contact with her and alert her if Pasquale said anything they didn't like. It was all becoming too much, and Pasquale felt forced to start court proceedings for unsupervised access. Then, on July 12, 2010, the children were no-shows for a meeting with him in Aberdeen, and, reaching his limit, Pasquale reported to the Grampian police that his children were missing. They were later traced to a house in Edinburgh where messengers at arms arrived with a warrant to seize their passports so Teresa could not flee the country with them. She was then informed of the next court date, August 3rd, 2010. The bear had been apart for four years, and though she was originally awarded full custody, it was becoming clear that her actions may just make a judge not only agree to more visitation time for Pasquale, but may just award him the full custody he was now looking for. On August 2nd, the day before that court hearing, Pasquale took his children out for a fun day spent together. They watched Toy Story 3 in a local movie theater, ate a lunch at KFC, and were seen smiling from ear to ear from just being in each other's company. The perfect little family on the perfect little day. That night, after the children were sent back home to their mother, Teresa called Pasquale to ask what he was asking for at their court hearing the next day. When he confirmed her fears that he was going to ask for full access, she ended the call by saying, say goodbye then. She hung up the phone and less than 48 hours later did the absolute unthinkable. When Teresa Rigi failed to show up at the court the next day, the judge demanded that she be traced and that a social worker make the decision on if the children needed to be taken from her care. On August 4th, the day social workers were sent to the house, calls came in to report that what appeared to be a gas explosion had just taken place on the ground floor of a townhouse in Edinburgh, Scotland. Neighbors claimed to see a screaming woman, 46-year-old Teresa Rigi, perched on the second-story balcony with blood dripping from her sliced throat. Despite numerous pleas not to jump, she plummeted over the rails and fell 40 feet to the ground. But because a neighbor acted quickly and broke her fall, she only broke a few bones in her arms and leg. When the dust settled on the horrific scene, police realized that not only had Teresa attempted to take her own life, 
but that lying inside of the flaming townhouse were the dead bodies of eight-year-old Austin and Gianluca and five-year-old Cecilia. All three had been stabbed eight times, each with a different knife, prior to the explosion used to cover up their murders. The worst part? Each child shows signs of defensive wounds on their arms and hands, meaning they watched as their mother stabbed them to death and tried their best to fight her off. The court order to have the family interviewed by a social worker was sent to a local council and faxed just five minutes after the murder. Teresa, who was treated for her injuries before being arrested the same day as her crimes, told officials, I just wanted to be with my babies. Teresa Rigi, who was originally charged with murder, pleaded guilty to homicide with diminished capacity, the equivalent of manslaughter in the U.S., and defense attorneys claimed that psychiatrists found her to be paranoid and suffering from narcissistic personality disorder. They said that she was under a massive amount of stress from the divorce and court proceedings, and that the final call with Pasquale simply pushed her over the edge. That the, quote, wholly devoted mother could not stand the idea of living without them, and said that the way she saw it, quote, killing them was the last gift she could give them. She was sentenced to 18 years imprisonment on April 26, 2011, which was later reduced to 16 years after her early plea. While serving at the Cornton Vale Prison, a fellow inmate named Angela Hamilton permanently disfigured Teresa by cutting her face with a razor shortly after arriving to serve her sentence. Another was charged with throwing Teresa down a flight of stairs, but the case was eventually dropped due to insufficient evidence. On March 10th, 2014, after just a few years in prison, Teresa Rigi was found dead inside of her prison cell inside the notorious Rampton Hospital a location she had been transferred to just a year before following her attacks. The official report claims that Teresa took her own life, but some say there were no signs of trauma or of suicide, that she simply died of natural causes after a brief but traumatic stay behind bars. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on August 5th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Hello, friends and enemies. We want to introduce you to our podcast, Marmalade Mysteries. We are four best friends brought together by true crime, but separated geographically. Because apparently we have to be independent people or something. Is this just another true crime podcast? Mm, Kind of. We discuss murders and mysteries that confuse and baffle, and cover missing people to help rally community awareness. But the most important part of our podcast is our friendship. Aww. We have Ariel, our foodie who lives in London, Georgia, our bon vivant in New Orleans, Lisa, our nurse who is saving the world in Texas, and Olivia, our anime lover in Hong Kong. Despite living across the world from each other, we make it work. With late nights, early mornings, and lots of coffee. Time zones are our biggest enemy. We're just having fun with it, and we want you to come along this adventure with us. Get ready to bring your theories about the most talked about murders and mysteries of our time. Like what you hear? Love true crime? Subscribe to Marmalade Mysteries and look out for new episodes each Monday. Stay mysterious, and we'll see you on the other side.